0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Emil, how are you?
1: I am very well. Glad to be here.
0: Very, very exciting. So we sent out some emails for the people who have emailed interested in AFM to see what people are struggling with. I actually think this is a really simple and quite obvious tool that not enough people do. Instead of just presuming what you think people want, or creating something and then try and sell it to them. Instead of that, you know, maybe ask what people are struggling with first. So if you're a personal trainer listening, that's probably a really good thing to do as well, is see what people are actually struggling with, like ask your clients what they need help with, and then deliver content that's going to help them. So that's exactly the approach that we have tried to take with AFM. So we got a whole load of emails, shockingly most of you are struggling with the same things which I guess is a good thing. Like, um, We're going to read some of them out but generally what's come up quite a lot is finding your niche, imposter syndrome, not knowing your place in the industry which I guess kind of links into that a little bit, Um, branding, how to advertise, those sort of trends were popping up quite a lot. So I thought we would probably start with Uh, finding your niche because we actually spoke about this last night on clubhouse didn't we and some american salesy guy was was talking about it quite a lot and it it was interesting for me because i've probably had slightly less exposure to that and taken like less notice of it whereas i think a lot of newer personal trainers in the industry have really been like hammered home from the start right what's the first thing you need to do you need to find your niche and he was like you need to know when they go to bed you need to know what they're thinking about when they wake up you need to know you know what their favorite color is like all this stuff and i'm like how on earth like it's one thing saying that but i'm like right where's the actionable steps here like how am i meant to even start like i would be overwhelmed if someone told me that so yeah what are your thoughts on niches
1: yeah, so it's kind of like marketing 101. Identify your niche avatar, all that stuff. And it's then parroted around out of context and too much. And people don't actually realize what they're going on about. So I'm 100% behind a niche because it means that you work with a certain type of person, you can serve them infinitely better, and they are more likely to come to you because you're the person who deals with them specifically exactly so that's the one side the flip side is when you're starting out you're going to work with anyone who's going to give you money to achieve your results because you don't know what your niche is and narrowing down and saying no to people when you know you've got two clients is uh, not sensible so yeah. i also yeah. think
0: like how would you know who you really want to work with like you're just starting out you're not meant to have all the answers yeah. you probably want to work with a variety of people see who you gel with most see who you enjoy working with most see what your interests are see if you want to specialize in something whether that is like one of my friends at uni now specializes in stroke rehab like if yeah. you want to go down a very specific niche you kind of need to work with a lot of, and like, bear in mind, like, he worked, he was a personal trainer for about five years before he decided to do that. Like, you don't just like have this vague idea of something that you want to do and then throw all your eggs into that basket of like, you know what? And I mean, you gave this example yesterday, I think, or maybe we were discussing it, of like, everyone wants to work with busy entrepreneurs who have lots of money. Like, that's not, a, you know, that's like an idea, like, oh yeah, do you know what? I'd really like to work with someone highly motivated, just wants to throw money at me and always gets results. Like, yeah, we like, we all do,
1: don't we? (laughs) So that's, that's, that's the flip side is your niche, you have to have access to them. And if you're starting out, you don't have access to eight figure entrepreneurs. They don't give a shit about you. They don't know who you are. They're not going to give you money. So, you know, that, that's also a reason to kind of look at, what your skill set is look at what your connections are look at what your assets are like who do you know who you work with who do you have access to and then to begin with at least you're going to have to tailor it to that and your niche can evolve over time it can change that's absolutely fine but you have to be pragmatic and sensible and don't get worried or upset if you're you haven't nailed it straight away, or you don't know what time your avatar wakes up, or they ha- your avatar doesn't have a name, or you don't know what your I help so and so is. Like, none of this shit matters. What really matters is providing value to people and receiving money in return. That's a business. That's what you need to worry about. Everything else is fluff.
0: Yeah. And I would even look at niche in a slightly different way. It is like, you, people say like you need to find your niche, but I think it's more that they find. You by the information you put out. So, like, you will attract what you put out. And once you figure out what your message is and what you stand for, then it's far easier to be putting out that message. And actually, the people you attract, those are probably the people that want to work with you, that you want to work with, that you're going to enjoy working with the most. And that's your niche. And almost at that point, do you need to start thinking, what are they struggling with? How can I help them further? how can i like get to know them a little bit more that's probably when you want to find out like all these intricate details about your niche rather than like this completely abstract concept at the start and like i can completely understand why people get overwhelmed by this and also why i think every email we got mentioned niche because people are just saying it as if like it's just
1: parroting the the same bullshit
0: yeah well it's almost become meaningless now because it's just like saying things with no action points like oh this is you know it's like saying you need to make money yeah great how like it's not you need to do i don't know like to lose weight you need to lose body fat like yeah but you're just saying the same thing in a different way
1: or even just eat less it's like that's yes i understand i need to eat less i understand i need a niche but tell me more about that specifically what do i do now and actually what you mentioned that your niche will find you, you know, it kind of goes both ways that you'll, you'll both move towards a middle ground as you identify who you relate to, how you, who you get on with, you'll automatically start to understand how they speak, what they like, what they don't like. And you'll tailor your message to that specific group of people. So it, it happens naturally and intuitively to a degree. And I do see some people, they're like, I train busy men and women who are getting married and i'm like i mean no just no because the words that you're going to use to those two groups are opposite like women who are getting married have totally different ideas and goals of what they want to achieve and what their you know pains and desires are versus random blokes so that is a, a not how you do a niche but when you do decide you want to work with women who are getting married and a brides-to-be or whatever then the whole frame is totally different and you're probably already talking like that but then you can tailor it to that because you may be not talking so much about long term you're talking about you know eight weeks and kind of trying to do it in a certain amount of time and they want to look good in a dress as opposed to look good in a bikini so it's just slightly different and the goal is essentially and I had this once and it kind of really made me smile some guy was like i read one of your posts and it described me perfectly and i was like i mean that's the goal that's the intention that they read it and they think this is me and then they reach out and they feel like this is a perfect match you don't have to sell anything then they just they just sign up so but that's the the benefit of a niche
0: like i i feel like i'm nailing a little bit at the moment is really listening to people and then really delivering what they want and i've had so many people like oh it you're reading my mind at the moment and then like that if someone says that to you like you've answered questions that i didn't know that i was that i needed to know kind of thing or like that's what i've been struggling with it's like you're talking directly to me that's when you know you've hit the nail on the head for your marketing or like the way that you're delivering your message
1: yeah and then that person is your niche yeah so you can model it on them your language is perfect for them they are who you're working with the, the other thing to consider is do you like working with those people <laughs> because if you don't then you've got potentially an issue so who you like or don't like working with is another consideration because business building businesses takes time if you're going to be working with these people for the next three four five years at least hopefully you get on with them
0: yeah i would say from that point like from that perspective anyway putting more of yourself out there is really useful because you tend to attract people who are quite similar to you. Like even things that, you know, aren't directly important to your coaching. Well, actually, I was going to say to your coaching relationship. They are important to your coaching relationship, but not to, I don't know, your fat loss results, for example. But like if you have similar humour, if you like, yeah, find the same things funny or you're interested in the same things. And I think what comes... With that, and almost like what you should be displaying on your social media, without outright saying it, is your values. So I think that's part of the reason that so many people were like upset or annoyed that a load of influencers flew to Dubai in the middle of a pandemic. It's because we judge that action on meaning something about their values and their prioritize, like what they're prioritizing at the moment. And then what they think is important and fundamentally what we think their values are based on the actions that they've just made. Like that was the problem. That's why people were like upset by that situation. And that's why potentially people lost clients during that because, you know, it doesn't really make any difference if they're in Dubai or not for your training, but in the way that you respect them potentially does. And I think, yeah, so much of this comes down to like how much of your, If you put your real self out there and you're aware of your own values, which we're going to come on to, because we had a really good question about that as well, then, and your actions align with those values, which I think is an interesting concept in itself, because I think we're quite quick when we're introspective to realize actually sometimes my actions don't align with my values and I need to change them. Yet, we're also extremely quick to judge others on their actions, assuming that they are in line with their values. So like exactly the Dubai example, like, oh, if you're doing that, then that means that you don't care about X and that your values aren't aligned with what my values are. So that's quite interesting as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to align with your niche because then you're being authentic. And I mean, that's a whole different topic, but, you know, the relationship will work. And the way you actually described all that was really good because it didn't rule out guys working with females and females working with guys and I've seen coaches both ways working really well with the opposite sex you don't need to like be the same person as you coach but your values at some level have to cross over
0: yeah it's the whole no like and trust thing isn't it
1: yeah yeah where
0: people I don't know if people think like oh no I need to sell the result. It's a bit more than that because you're selling a service and you're working with someone and actually the coaching relationship is so important and that's where the longevity will be as well. Like, Sure, you could probably put a whole load of ad spend behind some really impressive transformation photos or like testimonials or something that would make people a little bit interested, but the reason that they stay is because they like working with you. The reason that they stay is because you make them feel a certain way that's the magic in like long-term coaching.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely make money without alignment, but if you're lying, then it'll be more fun. People will stay longer. You'll make money more easily. It'll be a much better experience. And at the end of the day, we're building businesses not to make money, even though that's the obvious kind of thing. We're doing it to as a vessel for our happiness. So they need to serve us. And if we hate it, but are making money, then they're not serving us. So we need to be really aware of that.
0: Agreed. Okay, so do we want to move on to... You had a question on Instagram, didn't you? But, I mean, to paraphrase it, it was essentially like everyone talks about their values, but I'm not sure how to identify what mine are. Is that something yes. along those lines?
1: Let, let, let's talk about values for sure. Let me just see what the exact question was. So, how, yeah, how to identify your values. Um, and this person said that, yes, they've Googled it, um, but they kind of wanted to know what a real-world answer was because Google's all great, you know, this is how you do this but speaking to a real human and how they came to their values is more actionable and more relatable
0: mm-hmm.
1: go on then go on then <laughs> <laughs> on the, in the spotlight so i i think i think with values and with goals it's an iterative process which means you, you're not going to sit down one time and totally nail your values. Just like with goals, you're not going to sit down the first time and have them nailed the first, you know, straight away. So you need to write them down. And the initial writing down can come from anywhere. It can come from a list of Google on Google, which is what I definitely did. I just thought, well, what, the, what the hell is a value? Like, what, what are examples of values that I can use or relate to? And there's tests on Google as well. And you can use those. So I wrote things down and then I s- try to figure out what resonated with me. And I kind of circled those and then I let them sit. I let them percolate and I then looked at my actions and try to fit them in with my values. And then I let them adjust and, and change and iterate over time because I couldn't give a shit what people say. Your actions are your values. So if you're behaving in a certain way, then that is a reflection of your values. Whatever you say you are or want to think you are, your actions are the truth so write write stuff down
0: but do you ever think see what that, happens? like I agree with that and I think it's kind of like it's a circular thing isn't it right but I do yeah. I've caught myself out at times I don't know maybe about to write something negative for example and then thinking that isn't how I want to be or how I want to yeah. come across or like it doesn't align with who maybe it's not even it doesn't align with who i am because maybe that is part of who i am but it doesn't align with who i want to be
1: yeah and so i think they go back and forth yeah because you didn't you didn't take that action no but uh, like i previously would have
0: if i hadn't been as like i'm quite now like stop think like why are you doing this what is the benefit what is the and and i think so my point there is that especially in the moment like emotions or feelings can or even just like how you're thinking can massively impact your actions and so my point is like your actions don't always align with your values but i think it's so important like my point was that people will judge your actions as if they do so you better make sure that your actions do align with your values because no one else will give you that, like, you, mean you g- might give yourself that space of, yeah, I did that, but it's not really who I am or what I stand for. Everyone else will assume that it is who you are and what you stand for.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, no one's perfect. It's the net value of your action. So emotions, thoughts, behaviors can happen. But if 99% of the time you don't post negative stuff and one time you do, I mean, that's fair enough. It's like voting for a new identity. Like it's it's about the, the bulk of what's happening. But then the values and the actions will kind of, as you say, uh, feed back into each other. And if you're never, you know, acting in a way that supports a value, then I mean, clearly it's not a value for you and that's okay you just need to refine it and identify it and you know a great example for me so my values are health growth and freedom and in my bid for growth and freedom to a degree I was trying to make more money and actually my pursuit of making more money was reducing my freedom and compromising my health so I then used that and these values were refined over time so I knew that they were they truly were what I gave a shit about and then I over time said okay i need to realign i need to move things back to what i think is the best for me and then my goals align with my values as well so when i set goals i put them in my values
0: yeah goals have to align with values and actions have to align with goals like that's how you get closer to the end point right yeah yeah interesting interesting um so if you were starting out um you maybe want to start like i know this sounds really rudimental but with google and just because it you know you just need some ideas and i think there's this like misconception that you know you should already know this like you should already know your values and actually underlying they probably will be there somewhere but you certainly like i mean i'm refining mine all the time as well like probably daily they might change slightly and also that's part of it like it's not to say that your values are going to be your values now and then your values forever. Like even life events are going to change that. Like at certain times health might be more important. Family might be more important. Career might be more important. Like different aspects are going to change probably throughout your life. So that's why there has to be this continuous like reassessing. But I do find personally so helpful just to like check myself a little bit, like most mornings to be like, it is what you're doing today basically are your actions aligned with your values aligned with your goals and like it's something i tell all my clients to do as well less so much with the values but like are your actions aligned with your goals are they in line with your goals like that's a really simple thing to just question and a lot of the time they're not and it's quite like when you look at it from such a logical point of view it's quite an easy fix i guess
1: yeah and on that note as well, if you can't figure out your values, but you know your goals, which is a different thing, you can see what your goals mean. You know, yeah, well, if how you they ask why to values, your goal.
0: Like, if I was like, exactly, I want to get five hundred people in the E C method. Like, that's not a value. Like, that's just a goal. But the underlying value there is that I want to help as many people as possible. So I like doing big group coaching programs. Like one of my values is impact and so you can kind of work backwards from it um okay what else do we want to touch on uh
1: let me have a look if there are other questions my end but you've got more i know
0: yeah i've got okay so imposter syndrome has come up a couple of times
1: Um, yeah Yeah, I've got imposter syndrome here as well.
0: And charging has come up a couple of times. Should we do charging first? Because that's kind of quicker and then we can go on to imposter syndrome. So basically this message was, hi, Emma and Emil, thanks for the message. I think it's really finding my niche. (laughs) We've just spoken about that. I have just qualified from BTN in May as a nutrition coach and I just feel like I want to help everyone. I share content on Instagram about everything I learn but I don't know if I should narrow it down to a particular sector, so to speak. I know Ben suggests we concentrate on a particular group of people. So basically, we've just answered that. I wouldn't stress about concentrating on a particular group of people initially. Initially. I think we've kind of gone into that. Yeah. And then I also feel bad about charging, which I know is silly. Let's talk about that because that is silly i mean on the basics of it, it like it's really silly as well just from like i think this person wants to come into the industry she's passionate she wants to help a hell of a lot of people so she's like i'll just give out loads of free information like i'll try and help as many people as possible yeah. i'll make it really cheap so as many people as possible can work with me yeah. it's stupid on so many levels so i mean first of all you as a business, you will you will not stay in the fitness industry if you're not making good money, like if you're not making enough money to support yourself, like and and that's like the bare basics as a fundamental. You won't stay as a personal trainer. You'll have to get a different job, and thus you'll be helping less people. So there's fault number one, and then the second part of that is that, and I mean I fell for this certainly when I first started as well, and like charging. Very little or giving things out for free doesn't help you and it doesn't help the client. Like people don't respect free things enough to get results. Charging people a decent amount of money and that will be dependent on, you know, maybe their income and things like that. Emil has slightly different uh, views on this than I do. But charging people, we agree on, is is important for them to get results and for them to actually adhere to programs to actually check in to basically you're asking them to invest in themselves you're asking them to bet on themselves this simple act of investing in yourself is so beneficial even you know it's almost irrelevant to the product that you're getting or the service that you're getting this simple act of saying i am worthy enough to spend money on and i respect and love myself enough to give myself this time effort money to better myself that is huge as it is and you're almost taking that away from someone if you're giving them something for free
1: yeah and i mean the an important point to differentiate there is that both of us are all for giving away free value and giving as much value as possible and that's a really great it's great for clients it's great for you it's great for uh, as a marketing tool but when it comes to actually entering a business coaching relationship you have to charge and you have to charge the appropriate amount which you know there's lots of opinions and views on that but uh, as a and, and you know as emma was saying just the fact that someone is giving you money they're betting on themselves that is a huge huge part of this and i've personally had people say to me if you charged any less i wouldn't listen to you and i've had i spoke to a friend this morning who's a coach and he's got a mentor and he's paying five thousand dollars a month for this mentor. And he was like, I don't feel like I'm getting value. And I was like, well, how did you feel all of this week? And he was like, well, I felt super buzzing, super pumped. I was super motivated to do stuff. And I'm like, well, that's part of what you're paying for. You know, you don't need this person to hold your hand and tell you exactly what to do or how much time you're spending on the phone with them. The fact that you've given the money changes the game so yeah don't don't do things for free when it comes to actual coaching give value for free for sure on social media but never coach someone for free it doesn't serve them it doesn't serve you it's not a good idea
0: agreed okay next question i am genuinely so excited about this biggest struggle i would say are finding my niche (laughs) and i feel a little bit lost in the industry and also how to market to my audience but probably we want to we've kind of touched on those so also confidence within myself i am a shite bag lol
1: well self-deprecating talk for one can stop please
0: yeah i struggle with this because i find self-deprecating humor so funny but i do like it's an it's not a good thing but it is quite funny
1: it is funny and it can build relationships and stuff but if you're just saying it to yourself when you're sitting on your own in your bedroom, then it's not helping. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the habit that you can get into.
0: Yes. So basically she's talking about confidence, which I guess, and also a lot of other people have mentioned sort of confidence or imposter syndrome, that kind of bag.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah um what's the question i've got here yeah imposter syndrome is starting my new career roller coaster of emotions questioning everything struggling to distinguish what really matters anymore um first off action builds confidence not the other way around so you need to take action and then when everything is getting confusing and difficult just remember that the absolute core of a business is you helping someone achieve a result, which I'm sure you're confident you can do. Like, can you help someone lose some body fat? Yes, you can. Will they give you money for it? Good. Now you've got a business. Everything else is like fluff. Everything else doesn't matter. If you're doing this, you can tweak and adjust. You can change the prices. You can change the results that you're offering. You can change the process. But when you feel overwhelmed, just bring it back to you. Can you help someone achieve a result? Yes. Will they give you money for it? Yes. Okay. we're good. Everything else is fine.
0: Yeah. It does sound like, and I would be maybe in the same position in certain circumstances, but you've just completely catastrophized it, like overwhelmed yourself. And then you've lost where the next step is. Like the next step is helping your next client as opposed to, yeah. I don't know how to market myself. I don't feel confident. I don't think this, I don't think that. Like there's so many things I need to do and I'm doing everything wrong and I don't know where I am in the industry. Like, breathe, take a step back and be like, what's my next step here? And as you said, like, that's what builds confidence. Like, you won't have confidence at the start because you've not had experience in this, but it's getting your first client and then they get results and then you get some good feedback and then you might get another client from that and the same happens. That's how you build your confidence. And then it's also not letting little setbacks like you will have clients who don't get results through no fault of your own sometimes you'll want to take on their feedback sometimes like the feedback might not be something that you do want to action but like learning from those as well without that knocking your confidence is quite a skill like being able to take on negative feedback without it really putting you a setback in that sense so yeah, yeah just be aware that like you you won't be the right coach for everyone nobody is and it also sometimes it's not even that you're not the right coach it's just it wasn't the right time for them and they maybe weren't ready to make the change
1: yeah i I've, I've i used to work with a nutrition team team box and we found it i found it very useful when we had we were struggling with a client to bring it to everyone else and say what could i've done differently what can i do and when you have some of your peers who you respect saying, dude, you've done everything, like there's nothing else you can do, and you know they're not blowing smoke up your ass and making you feel better, then that's reassuring. And it's it's easy to try and take responsibility for everything, but you you, you can't you can't fix everyone. If people don't want to be fixed or helped, ain't gonna happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had this exact discussion with Shona today actually, because she was a bit upset about um a client leaving and she's like this is what i did this is how we and i was like i wouldn't have done anything differently it's just yeah. she wasn't ready to change and that's fine and like maybe at some point she'll come back when she is ready to change like that's totally fine yeah. but it, it did knock her confidence a little bit so i can see how that would happen and i can see that i mean i've certainly been in the same position like being self-employed is quite hard as well like cause sometimes you feel like oh, i've yeah. got." You know, it's just you, like you're taking all that feedback and it's just on you, like it's not spread out with other people and and you can take it quite personally, especially when like you are your own business Yeah. and you want it to work for everyone. And obviously your intentions are good and you want to help everyone. And when you can't, it can be, yeah, it can be quite hard to take, but try not to take it personally. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing just to add before we kind of move on, I suppose, well, you yeah being in the fitness industry is very lonely and the only uh, sorry the only contact you have with other fit pros is often via social media and social media is very false and very yeah you're not, not gonna put up like
0: the screenshot of the check-in where someone's like yeah oh, i've been really struggling and i just don't feel like we resonate and i've not got any yeah. results and i'm gonna leave like you're gonna put up the one yeah. that's like i you've changed my life <laughs> or the 10 that and are like everyone that. is doing
1: that everyone is doing that. So if you're struggling with imposter syndrome and, you know, getting depressed that everyone else is crushing it and doing amazing, honestly, on your social media, you're not selling to other fit pros, mute them, unfollow them. You don't need to see what they're doing all the time. Honestly, the best thing I did a couple of years ago was just focused on my clients and stepped out of the industry. I don't need to be in the industry to serve my clients. I need to serve my clients to serve my clients. And not having that noise of what other people were doing allowed me to focus in on what the person in front of me needed and how I could provide it. Honestly, it was bliss.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good, very good idea. Uh, I listened to an interesting podcast today about negativity bias, and it was saying that for every one piece of like negative, uh, or even not necessarily negative, but like harsh, I guess, feedback that you get, you need four positives to counteract it yeah I was like, huh.
1: yeah
0: yeah very true one
1: thing i would add to that however is the ability the skill to take negative feedback whether it's constructive or not and once you can get good at doing that you will grow infinitely quicker and yeah i mean this is like a key skill like if you can take every bit of feedback which is negative and step forward instead of step back then you're gonna you're gonna improve much much quicker and the quicker you improve the more negative feedback you're gonna hit up against just through sheer velocity and then as long as then you're then processing it getting better again and you're just going to keep moving forward to the point that you actually want to go seeking negative feedback it's like look i've had this idea give me 10 shit things about it yeah awesome I
0: think that's a good point grow. as well about how the more you grow, the more people you work with, the more negative feedback you're going to get, like, and to accept yeah. that as just a sheer numbers thing. Um, yeah. Like we had, I would say maybe just like, I mean, not high numbers at all, but like a couple more drop-offs from Committed. So like the continuation program of Commit to six. And I was like, "Oh God, I wonder what we're doing wrong." Like asking them all for feedback. I mean, none of it was bad feedback. It was just like I've, you know, like I'm ready to move on and do it on my own Being now. Done, yeah. like, okay, great. And then I realised like our numbers have like I mean, the numbers of people coming in like they obviously have massively increased. So that obviously the numbers of people that at some point will leave like there's just more numbers. That's why, yeah. like as a percentage, it's less in terms of drop off rate but the the actual numbers are slightly higher so yeah don't don't let the i guess just put it in context would be the outcome there um have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome
1: yeah i think not having imposter syndrome what well, we were talking about this yesterday i can't remember what i said exactly
0: you said um, something brilliant and i remember it so it's basically <laughs> saying like, if you don't have imposter syndrome, like, that's more worrying to an extent. Now, I think there's obviously, like, crippling levels of imposter syndrome, which cause extreme anxiety and mean you completely yeah. lack, lack confidence. And that's stopping you do important things. That's when it's a problem. But simply yeah. knowing what you don't know or being aware of the magnitude that you don't know, we should all know, know that. Yeah. yeah like, that's yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, we should all feel a little bit of imposter syndrome as in being aware that we don't know everything but i i think like the easiest way to sort of get around it is to never place yourself as an expert like i don't know everything i'm always open to learn i'm always open to feedback and like i see it as a way to grow and as soon as you can actually embrace that you're kind of not scared of it anymore because if someone calls me out and says something's wrong i'm you know i'm like oh okay sorry that i was wrong like can you show me how i'm yeah. right and here's an opportunity for me to learn rather yeah. than seeing it as like a detriment to my service or my character or who i am or you know like being afraid of other people knowing that i'm wrong it, as soon as you're open to that it takes yeah. all the like fear away from being wrong in the first place
1: yeah yeah and you know and following people in the fitness industry who make you feel like shit Will help because remember when we boil it back down to the basics, can you help someone achieve a result? Yes. Do you know all the latest scientific papers? No. Does anyone care? No. So arguing with people about whether you know the latest evidence or whatever it is that's making you feel like an imposter, not you know being ripped or whatever else, is irrelevant when it comes back down to can you deliver a result? Will people pay pay you for it? Um, and another interesting thing that you can consider is uh, adopting a called Mindset by Carol Dweck, if you believe you can get better, then it doesn't matter if you're wrong, because you know you can improve. And and that just changes the game. But yeah, a little bit of imposter syndrome is normal. And I think the example yesterday was the Dunning-Kruger effect, where if you think you know everything, then you're basically right at the beginning of the journey. And as you learn more, you get more and more overwhelmed by how little, pardon me, how little you know and how much there is. And I think that's where most personal trainers and online coaches are when they kind of start out before they do the course they think they know everything they do the course and they're like oh shit i know nothing and they're at the, oh, you know, the point th- of despair i think
0: the opposite i think well maybe not the opposite but i think they finish the course i mean for me it was like i finished university and i was like well probably know everything about sports science now <laughs> like probably know everything about that i would ever need to know and then realize like at it- some point it drops. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I think there is an element okay. of like education behind it first. So like maybe you finish your personal training qualification thinking, well, I'm a, per- I'm a fully trained personal trainer now, nothing left to learn. And then you're like, oh, shit. And I think oh, actually I see this a lot with our EIQ students because a lot of them are like, oh, there is actually a hell of a lot more to this. It isn't, it isn't just a calorie deficit. There is a lot more going on and sometimes there is this like kind of drop in confidence i'm always trying to like pick them up and actually by the time you finish that course you know more than 98 percent of the fitness industry like you shouldn't be you shouldn't have imposter syndrome like and anything else like i mean this is kind of why we develop the course but i mean i'm sure there's specialist areas that we don't touch on everything there is always more to learn but i would say there's not much more that you would need to know to help 99.9 99.9 percent of your clients and that other 0.1 percent that's probably when you should be referring out anyway like oh they have a specialist yeah. condition maybe you need to refer them out to someone like yeah it, it isn't that you need to know everything to help people what generally what you're trying to do is like help people feel better about themselves in some way like what's after the basics did we have this discussion but like after the sort of bare basics really the skill of coaching is like getting someone to stick to something for long enough to see results so yeah, yeah. it's not more and more knowledge that you need if any, if it's more and more knowledge in anything it's like human psychology or behavioral psychology
1: correct yeah 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 and this is another benefit of a niche is once you niche down then you know what your group doesn't know and what they need and you can focus on that so Like I generally don't work with females, so I don't need to know about how the menstrual cycle affects strength and weight and calorie deficit. I now have a coach working with me who knows about that stuff. So if females come to us, they work with him. Um, I don't stay up to date with the latest in sports like nutrition because it's irrelevant for my client base. And if someone calls me out on it, it's like, yeah, of course I don't know about this stuff. I don't follow it. It's irrelevant for my clients. It's interesting, but This isn't my area. But behaviour change and, you know, jet lag and things like that, I know a hell of a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And then I think the whole, was this us that had this discussion? Because we were talking about, like, (laughs) behavioural psychology, but, like, the research behind it and actually how simply really watching your clients and actually listening to them would probably tell you much more. Because, again, like, you're looking at – the flaws of research which is that you're looking at averages you're looking at and you don't really know what the study population is i mean like it might say but it might be like cool it's collegiate men does that transfer to my you know middle-aged mums or postmenopausal women like like how do i know that they're going to struggle with the same things or that they're going to behave the same way in certain situations I don't, right? And there isn't just really the research Then Always being research-led, I don't think is the best coaching method anyway. And that's being like someone who really enjoys science. But actually watching what your clients do and listening to them and seeing patterns and seeing how people respond and what they're feeling, that's probably far more insightful in terms of the behavioral psychology that's going to help your clients and your niche than you know, being up to date with all the research on current trends in behavioural psychology.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that applies obviously to uh, physiology, science, nutrition science, exercise science and uh, behaviour change science. We consulted with a behaviour change doctor, person, PhD recently. They came flying at us with all the evidence. We kind of went back with all the experience and actually we were almost on the identical pages. Um just coming from totally different angles. We clarified yeah, some bits, we improved some bits, but
0: like whenever I've looked at more like behavioral research or even things like, okay, these are the sort of five behaviors that people who tend to maintain their weight loss do, like, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. But it's just confirming what I yeah, already, already know. Like or what what yeah. I've I've seen in my clients. Like, oh, it's the people that continue to exercise. It's the people that yeah. like maintain these results, or you know, it's It's normally like just uh evidence to prove what we already know kind of thing,
1: yeah, and you know if it supports you then great if it allows you to formalize things then great if it i mean our main focus is being able to teach newer coaches how to coach as well as we coach with our however many years in the industry um but yeah, it's work with people and you'll pick this stuff up,
0: yeah. Okay, next question. Sorry for the delay. I'm just getting them up. Uh, Okay, so my question would be, tips on getting started with online coaching. How do you build an audience on Instagram slash social media and consequently how to build trust when your first few clients will basically be your work experience? In brackets, guinea pigs.
1: So go back to the basics. Can you help someone? Yes. I mean, therefore they're no longer guinea pigs. Like you might figure out what software or spreadsheet you want to use, but you're helping someone and probably to be fair, your prices reflect that. So I wouldn't worry about that as long as you stay within your area of expertise and help someone then great. And then how do you build trust? You find where people who you want to coach hang out and you help them and you give value. I wouldn't, especially starting out, try and crush every single social media platform. I would pick one um, and then I would just give value. And then people will naturally be grateful and want to reciprocate and then come and reach out to you and ask for more help and you'll help them more. And then some of those will sign up with you. That's a business.
0: Yeah, I think something that a lot of people put is like a limiting belief or a reason why they're not getting results is because they don't have a big enough following. So I yeah. really like when you talk about how you get all of your clients from Facebook, you've got 3,000 people on your personal Facebook, and rather than a numbers game, it's about actually creating connection with people. So that doesn't just mean yeah. like putting up loads of posts and then hoping people like them. It's who's like, like, are you going to comment and reply to the people that have commented? Are you then going to DM them and be like, oh, I saw that you were interested in this post. Like, is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah, yeah you have to go out your way to make those connections it's usually not a numbers problem like there are more than yeah. enough people and actually even if you had i don't know 500 followers but actually you had a connection with even 50 of them so 10 percent of them yeah. like that's more than enough people to have a very viable business so yeah. don't don't put that up as like a limiting belief it's like cool i'll have a good business when i build this huge following and I've worked with yeah. people with huge followings who don't have a business. Like, it doesn't mean jack. Like, if people are following you because you yeah. look good in your pants, they have no, they don't trust you, they don't respect you, they don't really care what you're saying, they just really want it to creep on you. Like, that's fine if you maybe want to be an influencer or something, but if you want to build a business, and I mean a coaching business, I'm sure there are businesses you could build off that, But if you want to build a coaching business where people are going to pay you because they actually respect your service and what you have to deliver, you need to make sure that your content is in line with that. So if you're giving out useful, helpful content and then people follow you because of your useful, helpful content, as opposed to just, I thought you were attractive and I just wanted to creep on you. Like, it's not normally the same people that you want to buy coaching from.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even that 500 people, like 10% is 50 people. Look, if you're starting out, 1% is five people. Is that right? That's right. Isn't it?
0: Yeah,
1: I think so. So if you coach those five people, that's probably more than you can deal with to start. And then if you, you know, double down on giving them amazing value and service, get really good testimonials and potentially a referral from each of them, suddenly your network has doubled. And, you you know, as your audience grows, you don't need to influence everyone. You don't need hundreds of thousands of people to build a business. Crunch the numbers. Like we're talking 30, 50, like 100 people coached in a year to build a business. So yeah, you can literally walk the streets, probably not during COVID, but and find people who need your help and who will be willing to give you money for this.
0: Okay, we'll we'll fire through two more questions and then we can answer the others in another time. So my biggest problem at the moment is advertising myself so that people actually know what I do both logically like how to use I guess she means practically like how to use different platforms but also importantly mentally talking about who I am and what I do to help people isn't a skill I have naturally once I am talking to someone and listening to their concerns goals etc I am fine at sharing how I can help but getting over that initial hurdle that leads to an actual conversation with a potential client is a sticking point for me. I think this brings up loads of really important things so like the first point about advertising myself so that people actually know what I do that is so important and like I think I talk about what I do all of the time and I'll still get someone coming to me being like do you do coaching? Uh, I don't know if it's like a rhetorical question or not to like start a conversation but I'm like yeah i do like that is what i do that is my job that you know so i don't think you can talk about what you do enough and i guess more to the point like when people feel a bit awkward about doing it on social media and things like kind of blows my mind because if half the people that spent i mean you'd think nothing about now promoting some random brand that you don't use or like, oh, here's this protein powder I'm using at the moment. Like, you think nothing about doing that, but yet you won't talk about your own business, which is actually far more impactful and is going to help far more people than here's my promotion code for my protein this week. Like, start talking more about what you do. So I think it's good that you've outlined that that you need to be talking about that and how you can help people. Um, do you want to touch on how to start like a conversation with someone about your business
1: yes and just to add to the social media thing like if you're running a business use a social media platform for that so don't have to a degree don't have your cats don't share crap from your friends like focus a page or a asset on doing one thing so you know pictures of you training food advice whatever so when people look at it they've got a high chance of realizing that this isn't just someone's personal profile which where they share cat memes but it's actually a coach who does things and you can put it in your bio go crazy I coach people
0: yeah um, I, and I would say Even on, that doesn't work. I would say on that point I think there's a bit of a balance to be had just because you want people to like as we said like know like and trust and part of that is like similar humor like actually That's sometimes
1: curated. huh that has to be curated It's. oh yeah people yeah yeah
0: no it can't just be cat memes
1: <laughs> well no but yeah but it's like when people share like random charity stuff and like and i'm not nothing against charities but if it's your business page and it's not relevant to either how you want to portray yourself or your business then keep it to the personal if your banner is like some blurry picture of a holiday from seven years ago or like some what, MAGA shit like 2006 what get rid of it like it should have a purpose everything on your profile should have a purpose like if you it's a cat meme it's because your audience likes cats likes cat memes
0: that's my niche so,
1: <laughs> maybe, cat like, meme maybe do, like for sure so like tailor it to to what your people like and don't post randomly. like i see so many profiles people are like oh i don't get any business like literally no one knows what you do like what yeah. is this Um, And what else are we going to talk about? How to talk about yourself. Um, so, So I suppose two things. One way I really like doing this is not to talk about yourself, but talk about the people you've helped. It's good because one, this is what people are more interested in. And two, it means you can big them up to high heaven and they love it and people love it. And you don't have to big yourself up because actually if someone crushes it and gets amazing results, it's assumed that you know what you're doing. You don't have to say I'm a freaking amazing coach. Because it sounds dickish and no one believes you. So, talk about your clients.
0: I love that because I find it so, like, I hate talking about myself. And, like, my least favorite part if I ever go on a podcast and they're like, Do you want to just introduce yourself? I'm like, No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, What's the topic we're talking about today? And, like, I won't go, I'm very reluctant to go on a podcast unless someone has said, Oh, I want you to come on and talk about female fitness or, like, what you think on this topic or a specific topic. If they're just like, just about you, I'm like, no. I I mean I'm bored already. But like I'll talk but about what I do for sure. Yeah. Because I, I could talk about that all day. Like and when you're quite clearly passionate about that. Yeah. I think did I send you that thing about like the the it was like a graph showing the difference between luck or opportunities and how often you speak about what you're passionate about
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah, and now I can't really remember what it but basically the take-home was the more you talk to more people about what you do and what you're passionate about the more like quote-unquote luck or opportunities come yeah. your way because if you're even and you might think it's like an inconsequential conversation with your mum's mate if you're talking about and then she mentions it to someone else yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. for a personal trainer like all yeah. these things like the more you can talk about it even if it's not on your social media even just in your life like that's really important
1: yeah and yeah you know a bit luck is a huge part of business that we kind of underplay and to a degree you make your own luck by putting yourself out there without any guarantee of reward so that that's a huge part of it for sure um And I mean, just the caveat is, look, personal brand is useful these days. It's good to have. But for most coaches, it's not about you. It's about the person. Um, Yeah. And then the other part of that question was how to talk, how to have conversations with clients. Ask them questions, like just ask them questions. You don't need to be. It's like if you've ever looked at motivational interviewing, you just need to be there and hold space for someone. Ask one or two pertinent questions and then encourage them and they will talk and if you can make that into your social media then great like what are your goals oh I want to lose 20 pounds oh have you you must have struggled in the past and they're like no no actually I managed to lose 20 pounds you're like oh so what happened oh then I gained it back okay so yo-yoing is an issue for you yeah yo-yoing that's exactly it I try to keep blah 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 and you're having a conversation without actually saying anything
0: yeah and I think there's so many skills to that as well like I I don't know I probably like just because the, and this just shows like different ways of talking to different people I would never say that to a client like I would never because I know who I work with and how they respond and also like often how defensive especially some women are about like maybe even just like the whole conversation around how many calories are you eating at the moment and they're like 1200 and like obviously I know they're not because they're putting on weight. But it, it would never be a, no, you're not. It's okay, well, like, like, it's almost going around the question a little bit, so it wouldn't be like, oh, so you've yo-yoed, it would be like, so then did you struggle, Like you know, and just kind of being more like, everyone tends to struggle after diets like that because they are quite restrictive. Like, it's completely normal that you've put on that weight again, but if we do it the right way this time, that's what yeah. I do with clients to help them maintain that weight loss. But yeah, I think you, as you talk to more and more people as well, like you get to know how they want to be spoken to and what's gonna work best and how to approach certain situations. And probably like your like a more direct approach certainly would work with your clients more.
1: Yeah, this is the other benefit of a niche. Like you get good at talking to your your client base. Um, but like it is a rule of thumb. Let them do most of the talking. And it will make your life easier and and it'll make them infinitely more likely to, one, sign up with you, two, really like you and um, three, I can't remember what it is, but let them talk more for sure.
0: Right. Okay. so we'll finish with this question and it's probably more for coaches who are a little bit further on in their careers. So this is about when the right time to outsource work is. And I thought, like I mean, my simple answer to this would be, first of all, you need to identify what you can and what you can't outsource because there's certain part like I mean, if you're a coach and your business is solely coaching unless you're taking on other coaches, obviously, then that might be something you don't want to outsource. Like there's certain aspects of your business which are you and which you need to do. So that might be depending on where you are and what what you're looking to do, that might be something that you can't outsource. So identify what you could outsource that doesn't need to be you. And then I would figure out what your hourly rate is based on like your current income. And then anything that's below that, that you can outsource, like say, I don't know, like you spend X amount of time doing emails or replying to something that actually a virtual assistant could do and Your hourly rate is far higher than what you would be paying them to do that, then that would be an easy way to think about it. There also might be times where you want to outsource because someone else is better at you than these things. Like, for example, it might take you three hours to edit a podcast and you could send it to someone else and it would take them far less time. Like, the examples like that. So, I guess your skill set, what you enjoy. And then sometimes, like, just actually looking at the figures as well, like, actually, I don't, and more so for me, it's actually pushing me to do that, because I'm quite a control freak, and if I'm like, right, I actually, one, I don't enjoy this, two, I can pay someone less than my hourly rate to do it, three, they're actually going to do it better than I can, then it's a no-brainer, like, it's ticked all those three things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I've got a, a matrix because everyone loves a matrix for this. On one axis, you've got how much you like doing something. On the other axis, you've got uh, how good you are at it, essentially. And the stuff which you're shit at and which you hate doing, that's going to be the first thing you outsource. <laughs> and then as you kind of move diagonally up towards stuff you really like and stuff you're really good at, um, that's going to be the last thing you outsource. And then definitely you throw in a uh, uh, numbers for example. So, you know, things like sales, marketing are going to be some of the last things you outsource. They're very expensive, very difficult. Some of the first things you're going to outsource are admin stuff. I mean, as annoying it is for coaches, but coaching is relatively easy to outsource. And the best thing that I've ever heard on that regard was you're not the best in the world at what you do. So find the better person and hire them. And I basically did that with my coach. I was like, well, this guy's better than me at coaching. Certainly s and training and programming. Dude, do you want to work together? Awesome. Now he can do my coaching. I can focus on what I'm good at, sales, marketing, being me, uh, whatever else.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes it's good to realize as well that, especially if you're ticking those three boxes of like, I'm not very good at this. It's costing me more, like it's below my hourly rate in terms of what i could outsource it for and then actually that time i mean you can you can either use that to buy time back for you to enjoy or you can use it to use that time for things that you're better at so actually if you're like okay by doing that it's allowed me to spend more time podcasting why do you think i've been able to do more podcasts recently that's grown my business that has made me money although it's cost me short term to outsource certain things It's massively been, like, outsourcing can save you money, is my point. Like, it might seem like a cost, but it's not. Not just save money, sorry, make you
1: money. (laughs) I mean, that's that age-old adage, you need to spend money to make money. Um, And you need to have faith in yourself to be able to do that. But, like, literally one of the first things I think literally everyone should outsource is, um, like, cleaning the house. Because, you know, it's not a hugely... Go on. I, I was disagree. just going to
0: say, like, it makes so much money when you think. Oh, sorry, it makes so much sense when you think about it. But it's still there's still this like, oh Resistance. my god, you've got a cleaner. Like, oh, who do you think you are? You're too good to clean your own house. When actually, like, I remember speaking to my parents about this, and I was like, you, like, both of them work so hard. Both of them have very good jobs, and I think we had a cleaner when I was younger, and they had one for a while, but they've kind of stopped having one now. But like it ruins your week. Like you now spend your Saturday morning cleaning, which then puts you in a bad mood for the rest of the weekend. Like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's no like, there's no upside to it really. Like I just can't. This is
1: this is why it's so easy. Like you hate it, and some people claim they they like it. I disagree. But anyway, they you. Hate it, and also you're not very good at it. So like before you think about outsourcing your marketing or someone editing your freaking social media posts, outsource this, break the seal, get a feel for it, get a feel for, you know, don't clean the house before the cleaner comes, that defeats the point. Um, and then you can start to think about other things. And to, it's very hard to grow your business if you're doing everything all the time. You can if you're a huge personal brand, but even then, you're gonna struggle so start with a cleaner and then go from there
0: i like that (laughs) advice yeah like streamline your life before you try and streamline your business like if you're wasting a lot of time doing like personal admin stuff that you don't have to be doing like cleaning the house yeah like that's a no-brainer it leaves you a hell of a lot of time brain power to do something else
1: second one bookkeeping accounting if you're doing your own accounts you're wrong like, bookkeeping is then the next step, but this is an area where you're shit at it and you probably don't like doing it. And even though the hourly rate is higher, probably not when you consider how long it takes you. So, Yeah, like, I'd also don't...
0: add to that, like, it, it's just not worth, like, oh, it's just, yeah. Like, it's just not worth it on any level. Like, it also looks Outsource. better on, like, HMRC if you have an actual accountant doing your accounts rather than like you've tried to do a self-assessment that's come in late or just
1: yeah and then after that bookkeeper like if you spend however long consolidating receipts or whatever you need to do again that's a that's a nice easy job to outsource so those get those done and then you can even start thinking about something else
0: agreed right we will wrap up there because we've been going for over an hour Um we've still got quite a lot of questions to get through, actually. But I think hopefully that was really useful to people. If you have enjoyed this, then you will love AFM. So you should head over to at AFM Mentors. And yeah, you'll you'll be. AF Mentors. AF Mentors. Oh my god, I got that wrong last time as well. At AF Mentors. (laughs) Um on Instagram. And yeah we'll be releasing more and more information the closer we get to launch so if you're on the email list you will be getting that information and we'll probably do a couple more questions like this so you'll have an opportunity to ask us anything that you're struggling with at the moment
1: when where can people sign up to the email list to ask us questions
0: at the instagram
1: oh do we not have a website yeah
0: we do it's uh (laughs) It's in the link, on, the link, it's on the link in Instagram, yeah. which, by the way, is drumroll com. There you go. There we go.
1: Link, I'll also put it, it in the show
0: notes. How about that? Oh, there we go. Very, pro- there we go. We're a very professional podcast here now.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Right, I've